information is the most powerful thing you will ever get. Uh, I, I think that we all have greatness in us. And I think that most people don't know how to be an advocate for their life. You're listening to the Almond Gunter Experience Podcast, powered by Astorio, a show providing information to help you maximize your potential. Remember, every day is game day. G-Man. What up? G-Money is in the house once again, man. You must be crazy. <laughs> somebody's got to do it, though, brother. Yeah, you know, that's the truth. Yeah, that's some, really somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to step up and lay yeah. something good down. Yeah. And may as well be us. What, what better way to do it? That's it. <laughs> A few topics that we're going to catch up on. We're talking about sportsmanship, right? Yeah. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about commitment. In your book, The Essence of Teamwork, the first chapter... Correct me if I'm wrong. It's mm-hmm. about character. Mm-hmm. But number two is trust and respect. Trust and right? respect. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about trust and respect. And if, and if you haven't read Almond's book yet, I'm going to highly recommend it. Go to almondgunter.com or almondguntermotivates.com and pick up a copy for yourself and anybody that you love. So when you're looking at trust and respect, which is one of the principles, one of the characteristics of a team, if you're going to be an outstanding team, um, trust and respect if you don't have that, you may as well just pack it up and go home because it's not going to work out. Because what trust and respect really says is is that, listen, at the end of the day, we've agreed on a goal. And we've also agreed that we're going to do whatever it takes to reach this goal. So trust and respect is about keeping it factual. Not emotional, not having drama. Not being able to, to, to go to a teammate if, if, let's just say, they're not getting it done. If you can't go to that teammate and say, hey, listen, you know, you, you didn't finish the project on time. Uh, or, hey, you know, we're waiting on you. You know, you were late getting to us. If you can't say those things without that teammate making it personal, you've got a problem. You've got a real problem. Because what trust and respect says is, listen, this is not personal. This is not about calling you out. This is about, let's keep it factual. It's about, we have these goals that we say that we are supposed to meet and exceed. So that has nothing to do with emotion. Matter of fact, if you look at great teams, teams that win, there's a lot of people that don't like each other on those teams, but they respect each other and they trust each other to do what they say they can do. That's major when you're talking about really having a team that's going to be successful. That's just major. How do you identify facts? How do you come to agree upon facts as a as a team or in a relationship? I think when you set goals, right, and you have all of these checkpoints along the way, I mean, those are things that, that you can quantify. Those are things that aren't pie in the sky. So when, when you set goals, there should always be some, some checks along the way. There's, you know, I call it like a roadmap. You know, let's make sure we're still on the path that we need to go on. Like I told people, if you look, when, when you look at pro sports, right, every single day you can look in the newspaper or on the internet, uh, you can go to the ESPN app, and you can see exactly where each team stands. They do it daily. So in other words, these teams are monitoring and making sure that they're on task every single day. They know, uh, are they in the hunt for the playoffs or not in the hunt for the playoffs? And they do that daily. 
So why wouldn't we do that? Why, why, no matter what team we're on, whether you're talking about a family or whether you're talking about a business, an organization, why aren't we daily looking at where we are? So what happens is, if I have these goals set in place, but I don't go back until you know two months later, three months later to look and see if I'm actually on mark, right? That's how it all turns emotional. Because now you start making all these excuses for, for why you are where you are. Whereas if, if I'm looking at this thing daily, I, I have my hand right on the pulse of what I need to do, what's being completed, what's not being completed, what does the team need to do to turn it around. I mean, that should be a daily thing. If you do that, there's going to be more trust, more respect. Well, I think what I hear you talking about here is is sportsmanship, right? Yes. I mean, I think that's a big part yes. of, of, of the information that you're sharing with us today and, and how trust and respect fit in when you're playing a game. We go back to uh, our previous podcast, and I know one of the themes that we continue to drive home is that life is a game. Life is a sport. We're going to continue to compete. We're going to give our best. And, uh, you know, from a very high level, you can easily identify when uh, you get misinformation. Yes. Right? Yes. Even amongst humankind. Yes. I mean, I'm standing next to you right now. You're a little bit darker skin than me but not a whole lot darker but but if I'm sitting next to my wife she's a little bit lighter skin yes okay but I'm gonna use a word that might identify a misinformation of who I am or who you are or and people are doing that and we're hearing that we're we're in the midst of um, you know uh, misjudgments misconceptions uh, misidentifications and false information so again I guess you know my question is, what do you do when you're surrounded by a culture like that or uh, an individual like that or even in your if you identify it within yourself because mm-hmm. I mean we don't I mean we're all capable oh of this. yeah there's no I doubt mean, I mean I, I've been around long enough to realize I got plenty of misinformation yes in me so how do you deal with that well the thing is is when you identify that you have that misinformation then you have a choice you can either choose to stay mediocre and live your life that way, or you can choose to be open to the new possibilities. What I always say is, when when I look at any problem or or or, or you know when there when there's adversity uh, in life, nine times out of ten, when you really scale it back and look at it, it comes down to information. It comes down to something that was said, or or or, or, or you took it a wrong way, uh, you didn't mean it that way. So if you can't look at those conversations and look at that information and go, you know what? Hmm, let's back up a minute. Let's really dissect that and let's see how we move forward. So in other words, how do we find a solution? You know, most people, you know, they like to just dance around the problem. You know, they just like to keep it spinning, but that's not a solution. That's, that's, you know, that's why I love conflict, challenge, and change because at some point there has to be some type of resolve. Now, you're either going to resolve it the right way with, with a practical solution that actually works or the resolve is going to be we're just going to keep spinning around and we like it that way. Well, that, that sounds a little bit like a nice way of saying that, that I'm going to waste your time. Exactly. And you got to remember now, time wasted is a life not lived. Because time is the one thing, and we talked about this previously in a podcast, that it's the one thing you don't get back. So 
if you choose to allow someone to waste your time who you know is wasting your time, that's on you. It all comes back to you. Do you love yourself enough to make sure that you are doing everything you can to be the best version of yourself? And if you're not doing those things and you're allowing other people to get in and decide what you should or shouldn't do or what, what you should think, that eventually is on you. As I say, you can only blame people for so long, but then you have to take a good look at yourself. And, and you know, do you want to be great or not? Do you really want solutions or not? Well, I like how you tied together the fact that, I mean, if you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to look at yourself, you got to be willing to take that time with yourself, value yourself enough to take mm -hmm. that time with mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. And therein lies the problem. I think we're so busy, right, that we're afraid to be alone to ask these difficult questions of ourselves, to look in the mirror and and, and, and really take a deep, you know, a hard look at who we are, what we've become, how we've evolved, you know, what we've, what we've allowed to, to, to come into our minds and our hearts and, and our spirits. And, and, and then really, if you ingest something, you take something in, you got to ask yourself, you know, what, what's coming out? I had a football coach in college, Coach Craig Howard. I mean, yeah. Didn't get any better than him. I mean, this guy could motivate. We like we just a little bunch of small dudes just running through walls for him. But he used to say, "Garbage in, garbage out." You know what you consume, you're going to share. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. At the end of the day, I, I think busy is one of those words. You know, I, I talk about you have to be able to go behind the word to really understand what it means. To me, busy is one of those words that I think people use a lot of times to make themselves feel good. Because oh, I'm busy. Like, like I'm really busy, but that's not solutions. That's not getting return on investment. Busy doesn't say that you're actually getting something done. Busy just says you're moving without a purpose. So I think we, we, we tell ourselves that we're busy and we're too busy for this, uh, especially for things that we say we want. You know, like, you know me, I'm, I'm really into health and wellness and, and I think that fitness uh, it should be a huge part of everyone's life just because, again, hey, we're playing this game that really requires us to be able to compete. And life's about having energy. It's about having ideas and then be able to move those ideas forward. So when, when I hear a person that says that they're too busy to take 30 minutes out of their day to do something physical to make themselves better, that doesn't add up. That's fuzzy math. That tells me that... I mean, how much do you love yourself? You don't love yourself enough to give yourself 30 minutes of downtime? You know, but it goes back to, I always say, man, we really think we're important. We really think we're, we're, we're that important. And, and I always go, no, I'm, I'm not really that important that I have to be available 24-7. You know, so if there's days that I don't answer my phone, it's okay. I grew up in a time when we didn't have cell phones. So, you know, it, it's really okay. Um, I just don't think that... that you know, I'm a person who, you know, you, you got to be able to assess me 24-7. If I need 30 minutes for almond, I need 30 minutes for almond. But I have to love me so I can love you. I have to take time for me so I can really make time for you. Because I want to be there when I'm there. You know what I mean? I don't want to be in your space, but I'm not really in your space. And I think that when you get used to being busy... That's what you do. Well, I showed up. Yeah, but you weren't really there. 
I think it goes back to um, to conflict, being afraid of conflict, mm-hmm. being afraid of oh, suffering. Totally. You tell me all the time, people want to take the path of least resistance. Of course, that's the way we're made. We want the easy way out. Uh, the problem is there's not an easy button. Nope. Um, so there's hard work to be done. And I think of guys like uh, Moses and Joshua. We go back to, yeah. you know, we yes. started with, like, go early on, right? Yes. Um, Gandhi. Yes. Um, Nelson Mandela. Yes. Einstein. Oprah. I mean, whoever you want to name through time, somebody has decided over and over and over again. I identify there's going to be, there. there is a problem I'm going to be a part of the solution. I may be the only part of the solution at this time, but it's worth it. And I think that's it. That's well, the question. What's well? Again, I mean, think about it. You know, as I, you know, as I say, you got to go behind the words, right? So, so why, when we hear the word conflict, if there's a conflict, why do we naturally assume that that's a negative thing? Hmm. Why do we naturally assume that that's a bad thing? I mean, I just told you that without conflict or challenge or change, you have no growth. So to me, when I see conflict, I say, oh, this is an opportunity. This is a possibility. Some change can happen here. We can grow a little bit here. We can get better here. So again, I think it's all in the way that you look at words. I guarantee if you sat down and had a conversation with Bill Gates, or if you had a conversation with Oprah, and you you threw out the word conflict, they're not gonna cringe. They're not going to go, oh, no, I, I don't like that. I bet their personalities or personalities say, you know what? All I see there is an opportunity. All I see there is a possibility. So when I, I, I just don't think conflict is a bad thing. I think, again, to get resolved, you, you have to be able to go through something. There's a chance people might think you're a little bit crazy that that we're speaking a different language here because what I hear you say is that that you have to love yourself yes and love others and at the same time embrace conflict how are you going to maximize someone else's potential or maximize your own potential without conflict tell me how is that possible how is it possible that you think that you're going to be the best version of yourself if you never go through anything it's not gonna happen to grow as tall as you can grow you are gonna have to be one who's comfortable being uncomfortable you're gonna have to be one who when you see conflict challenge and change you see it as an opportunity to not only make yourself better but to make everything around you better so it boils down to are you worth it exactly what are you worth You know, I remember when uh, I started my company, February 18th, 1998. And uh, I literally just woke up uh, a week prior and just said, look, I'm I'm gonna go out on my own and and do my own thing. And I remember sharing that with my grandfather that, you know, I think this is what I'm gonna do. And here's what he said. Well, Almond, if you wanna know what you're worth, go out on your own. What, What is it worth to you? So, you know, for me, what I was saying is, look, I don't want to be stuck working a job that doesn't fulfill me or, or motivates me or inspires me to be who I am, right? So I can sit and complain about that. Uh, you know, I can sit and just take the check, you know, every, every week, but not really giving, you know, 100%. Or I can really find my purpose. 
And I can understand it ain't about money at all. It's about waking up every single day knowing that you're happy doing what you love and more importantly, it's what you're supposed to do. That requires a lot of conflict, challenge, and change. If you're out there listening to us tonight, today, uh, wherever you are in the world, and you're hearing us through the uh, the podcast airwaves, the ethos, um, <laughs> <laughs> and you're asking yourself, am I worth it? I'm just going to tell it to you straight. It, it's a resounding yes. Of course you are. I mean, of course. I mean, we're, we're all worth it. I mean... That's why we were created. We were created to serve other people. I mean, we're worth it. You know, God didn't make any mistakes. I mean, you know, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't like create someone and go, oh, shouldn't have done that. So we're all worth it. It's just you, you got to make a decision how hungry you are. You just have to make the decision how good do you want to be. You know, is it going to be tough? Yes. Are there going to be hard days? Yes. So you got to be committed. All day, every day. And commitment's when all of the options have been cut off. Commitment's not about coming early and staying late. When people say that, I go, okay, really? Because I can come early and stay late all day, but if I'm not doing any work in between, you got nothing. Commitment is knowing that there's no other options, that you have no out, that this has to come out right. Like, like nope, I got to win this. You know, I, I would encourage anyone who's listening to us to do this. Do this one simple test. It's pretty simple. I want you to think back to a time in your life, whether you were a kid or an adult, you know, going through college or, or whatever it was, and you had a project or you were put in a situation where something had to be done. Like your mother said to you, hey, listen, when I come home today from work, when I get home, if this room isn't cleaned, it is not going to be good for you. But this time when she said it, it seemed like she had just a little bit more bass in her voice. There was something different. There, there was something that said, you know what? I don't think she's playing this time. I guarantee you, when she got home, it was done. You look at any situation you've been in to where the circumstances were, if you didn't get this done, it was not going to be fun. You got it done. And the only reason you got it done was because the consequences for not getting it done was greater than your butt could stand. That is commitment. You will get committed when the consequences for not getting it done is greater than your butt can stand. Think about your kids. You have three beautiful girls. I've met my nieces. And I guarantee you there's been times when you told each one of them a certain thing that needed to be done or, or that they better achieve. And I guarantee you they got it done. And it was probably something you probably said it to them once or twice before. But on this particular day, you'd had it. Well, it's, it's, it's the classic, uh, you know, you don't want it to go from mom to dad. Exactly. You know, you don't want the lion to roar at this point. You know, they've seen the teeth. They don't want the lion to roar. There's all kind of love in this house. Not a more blessed man on the planet. Right. But there comes a point when their backs are going to be up against the wall and they're going to need to know what they're playing for. So, I always say the best position in life is the position of having your back against the wall. 
because nobody can get behind you. They can't stab you in the back. Everything's coming to you. You have to be 100% focused. It's the best position to play from. Yet it's the position we're most afraid of. Exactly. But the reason that you get those things done when all the options are cut off is because your back's against the wall. Because you clearly have to focus. So as I always say, you hit what you focus on. But if I've got all these options, really? You think I'm really going to focus? Not going to be able to find what to focus on. No, yeah. you're going to have that squirrel mentality. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is real commitment is playing this game as if all of the options have been cut off. Like, you want to win life, you got to play it that way. You can't be a spectator. You have to be a competitor because life's going to happen. It's going to happen whether you decide to play it or not. It's going to happen. You know, something interesting is I've noticed with friends or family members who have gone through a a tragic health event. Mm Mm-hmm their perspective shift. They're playing at a whole nother level, right? Yes. And, and I mean, there's those we mentioned before, and there's people in our lives or people in everybody's life who has made that shift without having to go through some mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sort of physical thing. It mm-hmm. was, maybe it was emotional, maybe it was experiential, but, you know, uh, whether it's a heart attack, a stroke, a car accident, something happens that gets us to that point, God forbid. But the truth is, sometimes we just have to have a little bit of a a wake-up call. And the wake-up call is always about time. See, when you go through those types of experiences, think about it. You realize that, wow, time is really precious. Like, I need to be more efficient. Like, I really need to get this done. That's what makes those experiences, you uh, you know, people have the ability to really change. Because what they start to realize is, man, we, we, we're only here for a short amount of time. So how do I leave my mark? What do I want my legacy to be? That's important. You told me a story earlier today about your mom. Yeah. My, my mother, uh, you know, I, I always talk to you about my mom because I, I, I tell you the lady was just... Uh, the older I get, the more I realize that she was playing at such a level that I can only hope to get to. I mean, I, I'm not sure how she served as many people as she did. Uh, we're talking about a woman who didn't even have driver's license, but I'm like, how did she serve all these people? So, so I'm constantly feeling like I'm, I got to catch up. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to catch up to her. But um, we're, we're talking about commitment and, and the power of commitment and what commitment really is. So I was telling you the story about my mother. Um, she had a heart attack. And so I was actually scheduled to to speak, um, you know, and uh, so I'm at the hospital with her, and uh, and she's 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 lying there in bed, and, and and you know it's 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 pretty rough, and uh, so she says to me, so what are you doing here? <laughs> and so I joked around with my mom a, a lot, you know. Matter of fact, her name's Eunice, but I call her Eu Nice, and, and and I said, Mom, because you decided that you need a little bit more of attention from me so so you go out and have a heart attack instead of just asking me to stop by more and uh, trying to make her laugh. And, and, and here's what she said. She said, so listen, first of all, I know that if you could be with me 24-7, you would, but commitment has been made. There's people waiting on you 
and you need to go do what it is you say that you're going to do. Um, so when you're raised, you know, by someone who 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 views commitment like that, or someone who who really walked the talk, it changes your life. So there 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 was all these little things that she did that really allowed me to grow. Like I told people, the best thing that ever happened to me was, you know, I had parents who who were willing to let me make mistakes. They were like, find your way. You know, we're here to guide you, but take risks. We're here to guide you, but love yourself enough to leave nothing on the table. I mean, you know, yes, I was a great athlete. They could care less about it. You know, I, I remember people would call my mom and say, wow, you know, I saw him run. He's really good. My mom's like, yeah, uh, all I know is they say he runs fast, but it, it, it wasn't one of those things that she go, yeah, because her thing was concerned about, is he going to be a good man? Is he going to be able to take care of his family? Uh, is he going to try to help people? Is he going to try to serve people? So that's the household that I, I grew up in. So to me, I learned that commitment was about, you know, there's no options here. There's no options. You're either going to play to be great or not. Well, let's think in terms of from uh, what am I trying to get to? This is where I get to edit. Um, all right, so you have really done an amazing job of tying this together for us. We have an idea of what's worth it. Uh, we have to be open to the possibilities. We can't waste time. We have to understand our value. Um, what is uh, the commitment that we're willing to make? You've done a lot of laying that out for us today. Can you talk a little bit about, or tie, do me a favor, Almond. Tie me, tie, do me a favor, Almond. Tie this together for me. We're talking about sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've got athletes, mm -hmm. teachers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. coaches, family members. Mm -hmm. We're open. Mm -hmm. how, do, how do we put a little bow on, or, or can you tie, let me ask this question. What are the components of sportsmanship that tie to trust and respect, commitment, and uh, and being open to the possibilities? I think I think the the components of sportsmanship um, that that really make those those things happen is first of all understanding the game. It's really you have to understand the game you're playing. You have to understand the rules of that game, and then you have to ask yourself a simple question. Number one, can I win? playing this game, you know, inside these rules, uh, or am I going to have to play this game and, and, and we're going to have to maybe change these rules. I'm going to have to play at a level that these rules are going to have to change because you can't put me in this box. So, for instance, I will give you an example. When uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was playing college basketball, I mean, he's dunking everything in sight. They said, hey, no dunking. They, they were like, no, we, we, we can't dunk. So because of what he was doing and what he brought, hey, they had to change some stuff up. But then they realized dunk is a part of, everybody likes to see it, so they reinstated it. So I think that sportsmanship, first of all, is, is understanding the game you're playing, really learning the rules of this game, and then deciding, hey, th does this apply to me? Did they factor me in when they were putting this together? Because I'm going to bust out of these things. And then being okay to go out and do it. So, so when you learn to do that, now you can have trust and respect for other people because you're trying to constantly bring people to your level. 
You're you're constantly trying to understand. Look, this is the game we're playing. It's a game of life. Everybody wants to win. For me, I'm gonna put in the work. I, I I'm gonna push, and and whatever rules that I feel don't apply, we're gonna have to change them. We're gonna have to look at them. We're gonna have to reevaluate them. They constantly do that in pro sports because what they see is look, players are getting better and better, faster and faster. Things are changing. So how do we make it safe? That's what you have. That's part of sportsmanship. That's part of always being a learner, always wanting to be a student, always how do we grow? And so think about it. If, if we stop growing, if we stop wanting to learn, man, football would have stopped a long time ago. Basketball would have stopped a long time ago. But it's because we, 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 we learn to be open and we learn that, yeah, you know what? Times are changing. The foundation's still the same, but now we're building different houses. The materials are different. That's real sportsmanship. That's why when I hear people debating about, you know, old school players and young school players, you can't really debate that. You can't debate. The only thing you can debate is look at their foundations. One might be a little bit more foundationally solid and you can say, hey, look, you know, in, in, in this era, you know, Michael Jordan still would have been the man because look at his foundation. I mean, it's, it's so solid. But people are different. So you got to be able to, you know, commit to the change. But that's the growth. There's a lot of tough love in all this. There's a lot of tough love. And, and you know, you're reframing it in the sense that, you know what? You don't have to wait for permission to be great, to change the world, to love other people. Because the truth is, we're all trying to win together. Right? We are. I mean, think of it this way. How many people do it really take to change the world? The answer is one. <laughs> That's all it takes. It only, it just takes one. You know, again, as my grandfather would say, someone has to be first. Someone has to be first. Someone has to take the step first. That's how great things happen. Someone has to lay it down. That and, and then and then the next person picks that up and builds upon it. That's how we get to all these extraordinary things that we see today. You know, like I mean, think of the space shuttle. Can do you, do you think you know back in you know '69 when they were putting up the first rocket that they ever thought that there's going to be a space shuttle that we just go up there and hang out? But someone was first. And then they build upon it. Real sportsmanship is about learning how to play the game, respecting the game, and respecting the others that play the game. And then trusting yourself enough to be able to make whatever adjustments you need to make to keep growing. So we've got a world full of athletes out there, again, with us today. And... They're listening. They've been with us for a few of these podcasts now. Mm -hmm. So they're listening because they are great, because they are out front, mm -hmm. because they are leaders. They're willing to be first. Mm -hmm. What happens when you get out front? You look around. You're in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. What's the what's next? What 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 do you expect? What how do you cope? How do you prepare? How do you adjust? How do you grow 
when you're in the wilderness. Here's my thing. I, I always say that if, if you're if you're out front and you find yourself alone, it means that you haven't done a good job being a leader. It means that you you fail to take anyone with you. So when I hear people, again, you know me, man, I'm, I'm one of those guys that say you go behind the words. And I think that there's a lot of phrases and things that we say because we want to make people feel comfortable or we don't want to rock the boat. And one of those phrases that I really believe that we put out there is, it's lonely at the top. And, and, and I hear that and all I can think of, well, if you're at the top and, and, and you're alone, you didn't take anyone with you. You did not do a good job being a leader. You know, for me to, to get to the top and to be able to do some things that I that, that, that I want to do, whether it's, you know, go to Alaska and fish or hang out in Jamaica, what, and, and, and I can't take the people I love with me, I failed miserably. That means that I've held all the information and shared it with no one. Because it doesn't have to be lonely at the top. There's a lot of room up there. I mean, think about it. The top got the most room. You have to be willing to bring people with you. So to me, when you get out front, I say you should be carving away for other people. I'm going to take it back to where we started with mm -hmm. trust and respect, setting your goals. I wonder if the question you ask at the beginning is, is who do I want to be with when we win? Who do I want on my team? This goes back to pick your team, right? You are exactly right. And, and it's about, listen, when I get there, and I'm going to get there, right? Who do I want those other players to be? That's why picking the team is so essential because it, 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 it's surrounding yourself with people that you know it's not over until you win. That's why you want to pick your team because you want to put people around you that you, you don't have to question their trust and respect for what you're doing. You don't have to question their sportsmanship. You don't have to question whether they're going to bust out of any box you try to put them into. Because for them, it's about how do we achieve. Their understanding of conflict, challenge, and change, hey, listen, they're on it. They want it because they know, listen, we're going to have to resolve that. We're going to have to make that better. So pick your team. I think we help a lot of people with that. I think there's a, I think there's a, a definite misconception of what it takes to be great. Mm -hmm. That uh, as you look through history, you might single out one individual. There might be something, mm -hmm. somebody that gets the credit and the glory, the splendor, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. the fame. Yes. But at the end of the day, when they were on this planet, they had people around them that believed in them, that they trusted. They respected, they bled with someone else. Because no one wins by themselves. You know, um, it goes back to a previous podcast where we talked about there's enough for everyone. And and and, and listen, again, if you get to the top and you by yourself, you, you have totally missed the whole point. If, if I'm a candle, I can light a million other candles. It doesn't diminish my light. I'm not going to give out less light because I'm helping someone else shine. The idea is, let's see, I would rather play the game this way. Let's see how many people we can get to the top. 
That's the way I would rather play it. Hey, let's see how many, let's see how many people we can take with us. That's a much better way to play the game. Let's see how many families we can change. Let's see how many lives we can make better. I mean, don't you think that's a much better way to play the game? Well, what's the alternative? I mean, I think uh, I told you the story of uh, an event at my office where we had leadership being placed in seats. You know, we identified mm -hmm. some seats for our mm -hmm. company, mm -hmm. and we were picking names. It was like the draft, dropping names in. Just, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I want that. I'm going to take that mm -hmm. seat. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and we were talking about uh, quantity, right? We were, talking, we were identifying, you know, a, a number and, and a measurable, but it, it really de it didn't define who we were as individuals, and it really didn't even define who we were as a company. It was really putting uh, function ahead of form. Again, at the end of the day, so, so in other words, you were moving without a purpose. In other words, you were just being busy because what you were doing had no bearing on the bottom line you were trying to achieve. But don't we see that in other aspects of life? I, I you know, I'll go back to, um, we were talking earlier before the podcast about um, how coaches, teachers, parents, mm -hmm. leaders will define a result with something that's completely irrelevant to what they actually want or are or want to be. Well, again, I, I think it goes back to when you're a good leader and you really understand people's skills and you really know how to develop people, right? What you're doing is you're constantly developing people to what you're trying to achieve. So, for instance, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a great example because uh, one of them we talked about is in football. So, the forty yard dash, big measurable NFL combine, people go nuts about it. Even from a high school level, college level, everyone's forty yard dash. Well, the truth of the matter is the reason you run forty yards is because back in the day when they started football, the average punt was about forty yards. So a guy had to get down there fast. So my question is, why am I really concerned that a 300-pound guy can run the 40 in, you know, 4.849? When the average play in football is about three and a half seconds and, and, and the average play is about three yards long. What I need to be concerned about, is he quick? Is he agile? Can he open up holes? Can he get to where he needs to be? That's never going to be 40 yards. That's why I laugh when you get a lineman who, who gets a penalty for being downfield. <laughs> like, okay, so you really don't want him downfield, on, on especially like a passing play, right? So to me, why, why are we inserting this 40-yard? It has nothing to do with what we really want the outcome to be. So I see that a lot of times in, in a lot of things where people are measuring things because they want to be able to quantify some things that have nothing to do with what you want the outcome to be. And when I see those things happening, I know it's because they don't know how to develop. Their people skills aren't where they need to be. So what they're trying to do is weed out the process. I mean, you've played sports all your life. I've played sports all my life. Majority of any tryout you go to, right? The first couple of days of tryouts are what? Running. 
They're trying to just run people off. See who lasts. So to me, when I see those types of things happening, I'm like, well, that's, that's trying to quantify something that really has no bearing mm -hmm. of where you're trying to end up. I think you said this a little bit earlier in the podcast about time is the, the only resource that we don't get back, right? Exactly. So if somebody's wasting your time, and we've, we've been pretty nice mm -hmm. so far in mm -hmm. this podcast, right. and you, you know, you're not afraid to call me out and say, hey, man, you don't have to be nice, okay? You have permission to be mean, right? When you have a purpose, and that purpose has a lot to do with and is conclusively about loving and serving people, mm -hmm. sometimes you've got to embrace conflict. Mm -hmm. you got to be willing to fight for it. Mm -hmm. But if somebody's stealing time, I'm going to use a, a big word that gets thrown out a lot, oppression. Mm -hmm. Are they not oppressing other people? Are we not oppressing each other? Are we not stealing uh, the identity, the value? Of and, course you and, are. Yeah. You're, you're actually stealing their most precious resource because time is what they need to develop themselves. Time is what they need to overcome things. I mean, time is this thing that, that to do what we want to do, we got to make sure we're, we're using it as efficiently as we possibly can. So when you're deliberately stealing someone's time, when you're deliberately wasting someone's time, of course you're oppressing them. Of course you're holding them back because they will never be able to get that time back, no matter what they do. No matter for the next week, if they wake up early, they still don't get back what you took. So my thing is this, I'm okay if you don't want it, but don't waste my time. I'm okay if you don't want to play, you know, at a high level, but don't waste my time. You know, it's like when I speak at schools and universities and, and I'm talking about, you know, the kid who's the class clown. Well, that kid has decided that they want to just tell jokes. But if you're a kid in there and you're really trying to learn and you keep laughing, He's stealing your time. You don't get that back. Yeah, you're, you're listening to him. Exactly. He's stealing the information that you could be getting. You're paying attention to the, you're, you're the audience to the, the wrong leader, the, the wrong influence. So, so my thing is, you have to learn. It's really okay to cut people off. It's really okay to let people go. And it has nothing to do with being mean. Speak up. Has to, oh, you know what it's about? It's about what we started this podcast off with, trust and respect. It's about sticking to the facts. The facts are, I'm here to learn. You obviously aren't because you just keep, you know, causing disruption. That's a fact. So I, I don't want any part of that because my goals are bigger than that. And then you move on. I think sometimes, like I said, there's certain phrases and things that we do like we like to give people false hope that's why we like to tell people that yeah i'll try to meet you if someone asks you to meet them for lunch on tuesday at 12 and you go yeah yeah i'll try to do that well first of all you're not gonna do it you think back to every time you ever told someone you're gonna try to meet them somewhere you don't meet them what you do is you're trying to give people hope you don't want to hurt their feelings i'll try i'll try <laughs> so in the words of my grandfather, it means not to do. Try means not to do. It means that you, you, you're not doing it. That's what that word means. I think we can all think back to a time where we have 
felt like somebody was taking our value. Oh, of course. Robbing us of, of, of who we are. And I love the simplicity of wasting our time, the most valuable resource we have. And if I go back to that situation where I'm in a corporate environment and we're, we're using a, a quantity-based decision-making process to put people in their roles, so I'm being misidentified or and, and, and candidly, I'm one of those people looking at this, uh, this chart, this so-called accountability chart and, and not seeing my name in one of those seats. So, so I'm sensing that I'm being redefined. So mm-hmm. somebody's wasting my time, mm-hmm. right? I'm listening. Somebody's, somebody's the jokester in the office here, right? Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm paying attention to them in the mm-hmm. classroom, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm in a situation where I'm listening, but, but I have to pay attention to what's actually going on and, and, and be willing to say, you know what? That's not right. That's not who I am. Find my voice. Speak up about it. But then also, you you run into a situation where okay, now I got to get out of this situation, right? Uh, you know, is the goal to get delivered out of it, or is the goal to to start to think differently? The goal is actually to be free, which is two total different things. You know, what what what, what you're what you're expressing to me right now is uh, what what a lot of people struggle with is like okay, so. I know this is, isn't who I am and you're trying to define me, but what is a nice way that I can tell you that that's not who I am? I don't think you need to do that at all. What I think you need to do is be an advocate for your life. You have to be an advocate for your life because there's a difference between being delivered and being actually free. You know, that whole deliverance stage of, yes, uh, you know, I'm out of this situation so I can be happy a little bit, right? But to me, that's the first part of trying to figure out whether someone's committed or not. See, that's the fun part. I think you have to destroy all of that to see how committed you are to really getting to where you want to be. That Part of that commitment is standing up for who you are and saying, listen, uh, hey, I'm in the room. I, I see that I'm not a part of what you're doing. So I just want to be clear and concise on where do I fit? Where do I fit an overall goal in this overall goal that we said that we're going to achieve as an organization? That's a fair question. That's a fair question. And, and, and be willing to acknowledge the fact that, that uh, you might actually have an expectation, a vision, a path, uh, a, a, uh, a value that other people don't recognize. And that's okay. It goes back to what you say all the time. They're just not going to be on my team. See, and, and, and here's the beauty of it. And, and, and you can only get to that conclusion, right? By sharing the information, which means speak up. So you can have a real candid conversation about it, right? So you can take action. So you can now take action for your life. Well, yeah, what you're saying is that you got to be willing to share what's inside of you. Yes. You can't just sit on it. You can't just, you know, uh, be, hey, look, this is this is my burden. You know, I got to carry this myself. I always say I'm not a mind reader. You know, if, I, if you don't tell me what's going on, I, I can't, you know, I can't help you. 
And, and I also think that that's what hinders a lot of people from achieving their goals and their dreams is because they hold on to them. They don't share them. They don't tell people what they're trying to get to. So therefore, they miss out on a lot of resources that might be there to help you. But I also think that's the way you find out who should be on your team. Because if I'm telling you what my goals are, if I'm telling you what I really want to achieve, and you say to me, hey, listen, I think it's doable. I, you know, I don't know how I can help you, but you tell me what you need. That's the person I want on my team. But if you're a person saying, well, it's never going to change, no matter what we do, I mean, it's, it's been this way forever. I don't want you on my team because you're already telling me that you're not open. You're not open to the possibilities. You're already telling me that you're not an advocate for your life. You're just going to take what they say you should get, what you deserve. And for me, I've learned in life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you work for. You get what you work for. Coach, I mean, I, I don't know how to sum it all up, but I know the truth is we got a whole lot of super freaks out there that are our friends, our family, our loved ones that are out there and, and they're ready to be out front. And, and and I know you'd be the first one to say, hey, we're with you. Yeah, I say take the first step. I mean, that's where you deserve to be. You deserve to be out front and center, taking risks, uh, making the world a better place. It only happens if you take the first step. Utilize all your resources. Uh, bring in people that you that you know uh, who, who, who are open to, to possibilities and processes. And, and, and don't shy away from the hard conversations. I mean, that's the real key, man. Don't, 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 don't shut down the hard conversations. Don't, don't run from the conflicts or the challenges that, that come up in your life. Learn to deal with them. Learn to work your way through them. That's the only way to get out, man. The only way to get out is you got to go through. Well, we're cutting into some Uncle Gene's time. Yeah, right man. Now, I know. You so. know. We yeah. Listen, we 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 need we need to go over here and break <laughs> bread, man. Uncle Gene, man. You know, because we're gonna need a nap after that. You know, you know. That's. I mean, <laughs> Uncle Gene is so good. Did did, uh, did we put in an order? Did we call in yet? We didn't call in, man. We need to call in because it's, it's so we better good. Wrap this up. I told you I was gonna tell you this story. This is my uh, Wakanda Forever story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So um, I'm 12 years old, mm -hmm. going to San Jose Episcopal grade school. Okay, little little. Oh Episcopal yeah, religious, I know San Jose. You, know, yeah. you, you got a uniform. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, everybody's you, button up, button right? up tight. Um, but I'm Jewish, right? Yes. So I'm 12. I'm, I'm Jewish, and I've been going to the school for a while. So every Wednesday, every Wednesday, you go in for mass. Yes. Or service. That's right. right. You know, you you got mass. service. Yes, service, service, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you sing some songs, and one of my favorite songs was He he Will Raise You Up on Eagle's Wings or right. on Eagle's yeah, Wings. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That song right there, that song brought me to heaven. I'm telling you, okay. it brought me that song. Right. But here I am, a little Jewish boy, and I don't know if there was another Jewish kid in the whole school. So let's say there's 500 kids or something. You know, I don't right. know what the number is, right? But every row is filled with every... So you go up to take communion. Right. So every kid in line... Goes up and they and they put their hands out to right. receive yeah, the, the, the wafer. Yeah, the wafer. And, and, yeah, you got to get the bread. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, but if you're if you're not a, a Christian, Christian, right? What you do? Yeah. You, 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 
you do this right here. You go X. Yeah. You put your hands <laughs> over your chest, Wakanda forever style, <laughs> across your chest. So I'm the only kid that's, in the whole school that, that's what that comes up and does an X. You got to kneel before this wooden, right. you know, kind of yeah. scary looking guy, right? And and he's, you know, and, and, and you got to do this X, right? So problem for me is, I, I mean, so on either side of me is... You know, cute girl one, cute girl two, right? And the whole school, and right. everybody knows that's the guy with the X, right? So I go home one day. I say, "Mama, I want to take communion." Well, she doesn't know any of this. Like she, she's just like, "Oh, he wants to become a Christian," right? So she's like, "Oh, we, you know, we can't do that. You know, our whole family's not going to like that." But it just planted a little seed, right? It just planted a little seed, right. and so, you know, hey, listen. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just sometimes you just got to open your mouth and take the first step. I'm telling you, and and that that one funny goofball decision <laughs> that this little goofy prepubescent twelve year old Jewish boy made right. really had a ripple effect for our family, right? Because uh, it opened us up, and we and we started to realize, okay, wait a minute. You know what? We don't have to let anybody else define us, right? We can be open to the possibilities, yeah. And so it really helped our family a lot to just just say, okay, look, let's see what happens here. Well, you know, and again, it goes back to you. You were wanting to be an advocate for your life, and you had that hard conversation, that hard conversation that most people would shy away from, and you did it when you were 12. And the whole story is kind of crazy. I'll, I'll save it for another day, but, but it really opened me up to heaven, and I had an opportunity to meet God through all of that. It's the way it works, man. That's why I tell you, possibilities all around us. Get free. Get free, man. Don't worry about being delivered. You want freedom. That's two total different things. Let's go. I'm about to go free some, some right. chicken from a... <laughs> all right, my friend. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, sir. Brother. <laughs>